listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And we've got Isaac in our headphones fact-checking and making sure any mention of this being episode 88 is censored. Hey, hey! Because we are not <laughs> crypto-fash. You can't say that number. I will. We will not. If the, if the, if the episode number 88 slips out anymore, oh. Isaac is going to be censoring that oh. quick smart, cracking down on it, because we are actually now a department of the Victorian government. Check us out. We're clamping down. No more hate symbols. No more hate numbers. It goes 87 straight to 89. And it's beautiful. I love it. Uh, uh, This week, um, Victoria just uh, announced that they're banning uh, the swastika, the, you know, other Nazi symbols. I don't have a full catalogue. I know the 88 one because it's a meme. Oh, no, I don't. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, so the the actual news is the Victorian government this week announced plans to expand the anti-vilification laws to encompass uh, Nazi symbols and uh, make the sort of prosecution of those uh, displays uh, easier. So there's more chance that they'll actually get those things uh, shut down. Which is really bad news for that guy who used to wander around Footscray and stuff with a Port Adelaide jumper and a Nazi SWAT sticker on his arm for some reason. (laughs) I think they probably did it because of that guy. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> they were just sick of seeing that guy and he's like there's no law against it but now there is in the meeting room where they're putting the legislation oh what about that guy who wears his Nazi symbols that he's going to be really pissed off I don't think we should do that let's get this fucking guy out of the room okay now we should ban the Nazi symbols right <laughs> I'm not saying it's similar, but I kind of feel for that footy club the same way like me and my band did when this like minor news story broke out a couple of years ago where someone like broke into a shop and was stealing stuff and they had an Eye of the Enemy hoodie on. And <laughs> it was all this talk about this slogan being a thing. And it was like, uh, no, that's actually from our first album. That's a rare hoodie that that guy has. He's an old fan. He's locked into the band. Would you say it was good or bad for your brand? <laughs> it was definitely on brand, which is the worst bit. You can't pay for press like that though well that was the thing and the thing is is it was a fucking bike store and he was stealing kids bikes and so my whole thing when we posted from the band page was just like get in touch with us and like look we don't know what we can do legally but we'll fucking try to sort that out because you're not it's you know don't it's come on guys we're all a metal community metal together Um, what are you saying that if you're if you've got in trouble for publicly displaying nazi symbology in your (laughs) in your lifestyle get in touch with the pod (laughs) (laughs) we'll forward your details under the appropriate authorities but no i do have to i do have to thank the victorian government for gifting us this on episode 88 fuck um episode whatever this is um (laughs) just because that that ties in nicely that's some nice synergy but um Mm. my fucking favorite part of this was as always the worst gronks came out of the fucking woodwork and they were all over twitter as you would expect because that is a nazi hive (laughs) just the worst gronks all coming out being like banning nazi symbols i don't think that that's good Uh sounds like something that a nazi would say (laughs) my favorite is like all the people who come out saying but what about the indian swat sticker like are you banning that too i'm like that is like for me a perfect red flag for someone who is sympathetic to Nazi beliefs. And a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a shock. What a shock that none of the people saying that were Hindu. Some of the people that came out with the points, though, are think tanks that are paid a lot of money by very rich people like Gina Reinhart to give policy decisions to parties like the Liberal Party, though, in one of the best fucking things I have read in a very long time. The Institute of Public Affairs, a conservative think tank, has labelled the proposed laws as the most vicious attack on freedom of speech on Australians in peacetime history. Mm. Now, let's just have a think about what preceded the peace in peacetime history. IPA, (laughs) you fucking moron. Are we allowed to say IPA anymore, considering that it's, you know, we're allowed to... (laughs) Just the idea that you can say... they, They went on to say the proposal would give vast powers to the human rights bureaucracy to regulate and censor the opinions of mainstream Australians. Mainstream. Mainstream Mainstream Australians. Australians. That's from IPA research fellow Morgan Begg, who's not outing himself at all, is not telling on himself whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, this is just some guy, just some normal... Let's let's say good person going out in public and saying this would give powers to human rights. I don't like that. Morgan Begg's main challenge is every statement he says has to happen in exactly 14 words. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
I just, I fucking love <laughs> the most vicious attack on freedom of speech on Australians in peacetime history. Obviously, <laughs> the biggest attack on freedom of speech before that was wartime against yeah. the fucking Nazis. Yeah. God, it's good. Sh- surely one of the most vicious attacks on freedom of speech in, in peacetime history was, uh, <laughs> you know, Peter Dutton suing the refugee activist for defamation. For, yeah. uh, no, 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 no. Certainly not. No, it's banning swastikas. <laughs> Why would you why would you come out in any defense of this? Surely if you want to defend it, you would just keep it to your little telegram group chats. I I I am just going to go out and say that the reason that you would want to defend it is to curry favor with the federal government over the Victorian government. Also I mean, like this is just like the classic thing of conservatives putting like human rights or environmentalism mm. as red tape. Um, I mean, they managed mm. to weasel in one of their most beloved alumni in the form of Tim Wilson into the Human Rights Commissioner role. Oh. Um, so <laughs> oh, at, with yeah. the view to take down human rights and like d- mm. gradually crumble them. So this is the kind of viewpoint that they have. For them, it's like needless admin. That doesn't matter. Yeah, they just hate. <laughs> so They're just, oh, this, though, this new legislation infringes mm. upon my human right to employ child slaves. Mm. Well, think about, <laughs> think about my human rights then. <laughs> yeah, it's a slippery slope, guys, because first you're going to be banning Nazi swastikas, then you're going to be banning Nazis, and then we'll be rounding up the Nazis and putting them in camps. <laughs> first they came for the Nazis, Lang. First they came for the Nazis. <laughs> first who came for the Nazis? <laughs> Fuck, that's so dumb. That's so dumb. I feel like we're going for a specific vibe this episode where, like, the entire first five minutes is just, oh, man, how about those Nazis, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you though, if they came for the Nazis first, we would have avoided a lot of trouble. <laughs> so, climate change is a thing that you might be worried about, and like, this no. is no. You're upsetting me. No. <laughs> climate change is a thing that you might be worried about, um, and that's a big problem because being worried about stuff is bad, mm. <laughs> according to. A couple of liberal MPs who I, I you never hear about these guys doing anything useful. You only hear about them when they make a shit take. And this is the shittest take I've heard for a while. So this is Liberal MP Andrew Wallace and Assistant Youth Minister Luke Howarth have called for more funding for school chaplains <laughs> because kids are worried about climate change. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> this is the episode. This is the this is the vibe of the entire episode. Listen, I'm very sorry. This I is mean, it's also not at. even. It's not even school counselling services or no. psychologists. It's nope. not mental health services no. funding. It is chaplains. It is religious it is, uh, you know, chaplains. Oh, uh, buddy, you're, you're worried about the, you know, scientifically proven impending death of human society. Have you considered <laughs> not jerking off? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when the sea level's rising, we've got to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? Well, he'd walk on the water. He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's okay. He'd give one person a boat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's let's see what the Bible has to say about floods destroying humanity. Oh, it was our fault, was it? Like this isn't this isn't what I want to hear. Um, just sorry, that's a bit unfair, Lang. It, it was God's fault. God did it in retribution to to humans displeasing him. It wasn't humans' fault at all. It's, uh, just uh, wanted to clear that up. Yeah, <laughs> just don't, don't go into victim blaming there. For but here's the thing: Thanks, he man. sent the rainbow to say he'd never do it again. And so, <laughs> what does what does that mean now? Was the rainbow well, a lie? When- when Jesus returned to Earth, he overturned the covenant that was formed with the Old Testament God. So it's it's new rules. No, now. he didn't. He came here to fulfill the old laws. He didn't come to abolish oh, them. No, McLean. bitch. Come on. <laughs> the, the Old Testament's <laughs> around. <laughs> Let's get theological. This is but my died. school didn't get adequate school chaplaincy funding. <laughs> yeah. I don't know this stuff. <laughs> this is what happens when all I get is youth group on a Friday night where I drum for a bit while I try to pick up some Christian chicks as a seventeen-year-old. This oh we God. need more chaplains in school so I know my dang history. This is atrocious from us, McLean. Oh, God. what are we doing? We should go flat. We should go whip our backs for a full day and night. <laughs> Back to the actual thing, though. Yeah, sorry, Lane. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they've 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 said this is climate alarmism is causing mental health problems in Fuck. in kids. I got to be clear, they're not saying that 
our government's inaction on climate change. They're not saying impending climate change. They're not saying the IPCC report is, well, maybe that one, because they, they're saying it's climate alarmism. Um, so Luke Howarth, who, side note, joined the LNP at age 19, oh. um, <laughs> so said, <laughs> I personally think as assistant minister that the language around climate change is alarmist and causes mental health problems for young people. I like to talk about <sighs> hope and that we're doing things. I don't talk down the future of Australia and the globe. Fuck off. Ah, uh, well. Yeah, no, it, instead you legislate down the future of Australia and the globe, right? Yeah. <laughs> that has such overtones of John Howard's like black armband vision of history where we can't talk about, we can't talk about everything yeah. that the first fleet did coming to Australia because, yeah. you know, I don't want to be negative about Australia. So fuck off. The, the, like- the, the, the future is negative. The history of this country is negative. Fucking deal with it. Mm. If anyone remembers, like, our age, so, like, you know, say mid-30s, early 30s, um, when they revitalised the history curriculum in, I don't know whether it was the same for Victorian schools, but New South Wales schools, it was definitely, like, a big Mm. thing between, like, years 10 to 12. um, And they looked at, like, the history curriculum and they were like, oh, this is – it's exactly the thing you mentioned about John Howard, the black armband view of history – of like, oh, there's there's a little bit too much about just how sad everything was. Well, I kind of think that's the point that everyone should learn that yeah. all this stuff was really bad so as to not do it again. Yeah. Like we learn about World War Two and shit. We're not like, oh, World War Two is probably not that bad. Let's look on the bright side. We've got a lot of good rocket technology. Well, here's the thing is that when we look at World War Two, we look at it through the hero lens. So like the Anzacs. You know, we, we don't we don't tell the proper story of the Anzacs, whereas they landed on the wrong fucking beach and got shot to shit. That was World War One. <laughs> like, but yeah, it was, a, it was a massive fuck up, and it sucked. No, we focus on that donkey that was picking up wounded people. Ah, oh, what a hero! And then when it comes to look, colonization, the only heroes we can get are like, oh, you know, people that built some houses. What else did they do out in rural Queensland? Don't worry oh. about it. We're not talking about that shit. Ah, and same thing with the climate change problem. Now is that we don't have patriotic heroes, no matter how fucking hard Twiggy Forrest tries to make himself one, that we can talk to and about in terms of, like, you know, some sort of positive change. We can't well, we filter do. through a nationalist bullshit lens. But, but, yeah, I mean, we should be able to. Australia was a fucking tech leaders not that exactly. long ago. Until we started cutting all the funding we to We do have climate ones. heroes. We have amazing scientists, amazing engineers. The problem is the government is on the side of the villains. Yeah. <laughs> That's just straight up it. On, on the side of or actual villains? They're, they are the villains and they're on the side of I mean, they're the star scream to the fossil fuel industry's Megatron. Like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the same shit. <laughs> Keep your references to one media like. <laughs> By the way, before we get into more stuff about chaplaincy I just also want to point out the history of the chaplaincy program in Australia on a national level yeah it is constantly been marred by controversy as to what the chaplaincy program is doing in schools as opposed to say having a non-denominational sort of like counseling program mm. for yeah. students so the the places in which it's come up um is like you know since 2015 like they've received numerous complaints from students in schools um talking about like you know uh, that they felt that it wasn't uh coming across as like a non-biased or non-religious um counseling program but because yeah, how could it this, a this, yeah and this the problem is is that this has an impact in the issues of the time so like gay marriage in, in australia mm. the chaplaincy program a lot yeah. of students like identified as queer and felt that they couldn't go to chaplains and schools and talk about this you know concerns mm. about what was happening around them there's constantly something happening in australia that chaplaincy seems to be used as a cudgel for if you're a high school student dealing with the mental health issues high school students deal with, they're probably a lot of them about shit you don't want to talk to a chaplain about, like sex or your abortion. like identity or abortion or all this shit where the oncoming apocalypse, the climate crisis, yeah, yeah, the, th- like, the seventh seal being broken. It's happening right now, and I don't want to talk to someone who's biased about that shit. Like you need a good and and. School students do desperately need mental health support. This is a terrible time for kids with mental health, but they need yeah. that from trained 
unbiased, secular mental health professionals who could talk about them, about this shit. Yeah, otherwise you've just got this situation where you're like, oh, look, I'm talking to the mental health support that my school offers, which is just like a local volunteer from a church that's yeah. nearby. And I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm questioning my gender identity. And they're like, oh, but just consider that Jesus is coming back soon and he doesn't like that. Mm. <laughs> cool. And- I'm sure that's very helpful. <laughs> and so this is amazing because this is... Luke Howarth, and I'm focusing on him. Andrew Wallace, I know less about, but I'll cover him in a little bit. Luke Howarth has seen the climate crisis and he's gone, this is a great excuse to give more money to chaplains. And you know he's doing this because he's previously pushed for more money for chaplains. He's not got the chaplain thing and suddenly thought of this. He's been looking for reasons to give money for chaplains. Back in 2018, he was trying to get money to chaplains. Um, Interestingly... This guy, I hadn't heard about him for a while, but his name was familiar. I looked him up. Luke Howarth used to be homelessness minister. And at the time, his quote was, he wanted to put a positive spin on homelessness. And everyone went, excuse me, what the fuck? He was like, look on the bright side, only like less than 1% of the population is homeless. I think we should look at that as a success. And maybe, sure, we'll build some crisis accommodation, but let's not tackle the like underlying issues which is, again, the exact same thing he's doing here. These fucks love the underlying issues. They love climate change. They love poverty. They just want people to stop complaining about what them. What a fucking creep. Just like, I'm just, I'm just getting flashes of, like, rolling out this initiative where, like, you know, they just, they want them to dress better. And this is, like, when they, whenever, like, you know, sporting yeah. centres are built in areas or like, huge them. events happen, we just push them to other places like they do in America and, like, just shuffle them around the states. Like, we want to put a positive spin on homelessness. It's like, as minister, do you want to eradicate it? No. No, I, ju- I would just like it to be nicer and happier so the people that aren't homeless can feel good about the homeless problem. It's like, that's really sick and twisted. It's absolutely not surprising from someone who joined the LNP at 19, but it really is, like, twisted and gross. That's fucking yeah. gross. More and more, I feel like, like, how people talk about the homeless is just, like, the truest indicator of who they are as a person. And I mean, like, talking about homeless yeah. people as if they are people that deserve dignity. Like, positive spin on the homelessness problem is not something said by someone who deserve, thinks that homeless people deserve dignity. Mm, absolutely. They, they, yeah, look on the bright side. Most people aren't homeless. Okay, you're homelessness minister. Your job is not the bright side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other guy, Andrew Wallace, oh, who I don't know so much about, he compared the fear of climate change with the fear of nuclear annihilation in the 70s and 80s. Now, that was before my time. I'm sure my parents grew up with a certain dread of nuclear apocalypse hanging over them, which was a very real threat and something very serious. Um, But here's the difference, is in the 70s and 80s, they didn't try to address nuclear annihilation with school chaplains. They addressed <laughs> that with the largest defence spending this nation has ever seen. Also with like, duck and cover, to be fair. <clears throat> duck and cover, all that <laughs> shit. But here's the thing is they didn't go, well, look, the Russians could all nuke us all, but let's just, let's not worry too much about that because that'll ta- it'll take a lot of money to try and fight communism. <laughs> no, they fucking, they threw up to 4% of our GDP at the military in the Cold War. Now, if we threw 4% of our GDP at fixing climate change, you'd be spending like $50 billion a year on addressing climate change in Australia. Just picturing Wouldn't chaplains that be in the, nice? Just picturing chaplains in the 70s and 80s walking around the playground, <laughs> slapping sandwiches out of kids' hands as they're about to share them with other people. Stop that with the communism. No. <laughs> <laughs> it does speak to like what how climate change versus a nuclear annihilation is politicised in like the fear of it though. Like it's mm. more creatively useful to make kids afraid of the Russians or the Mm -hmm. Chinese uh, and the Mm. spectre of nuclear destruction than it is to say, oh, here is the force of nature that is going to descend upon you. Doesn't have like a political alignment though. It's just going to kill you either way. Mm. It's also the the fact that like it's not, you know, a force of nature that's going to descend upon you. If there's, you know, if you're talking about the root causes of climate change, it's Mm. It's capitalism and billionaires. It's like, it's not a foreign actor that you can sort of radicalise your population against. It's 
the entrenched structures of power worldwide yes. that you would have to radicalize your population against, which the entrenched the entrenched structures of power worldwide don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> There's no like enemy that has a like uh, even just a made up face. It is. Well, you're wrong though. There is an enemy. Yeah, there is an oh, enemy. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's a person. There's there's like there's a few hundred people who whose faces the enemy. And we has. have their names. That's a and weird addresses. way to phrase it, but yeah. And if the Victorian government weren't full of cowards, we'd be able to ban their fucking faces too. But no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the, the enemy of the youth of Australia is Luke Howarth's government. Yeah. yeah. Like quite yep. specifically, they're the people actively trying to destroy the future of children in schools right now. It, it does, the, the fact that they are trying to destroy their future and then offering chaplains really does seem like a, you know, like a Western, like an old Western threat. You know, like this town ain't big enough for the both of us sort of thing. Like, you don't need a doctor, you need a priest. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you don't need a climate scientist, you need a chaplain. Just, yeah, you're going to die. Hope your soul's okay, oh, kids. That's actually, that is such a good point because that is such a literal demonstration of how people who have denied climate change at a certain point are going to go move into, well, it's too late to stop it now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're already picking that up for sure. That's right. Yeah. So, mm. And this is it. This is like they, they've moved into, well, there's alarmism, but like we, uh, you need a priest to help you sort this out. Yeah, absolutely. This kid needs to be exercised. And it's freaking depressing um, because the kids are really, really mentally unwell because they are seeing the world being destroyed and they are being gaslit. And it's the gaslighting that does it. Um, there was a survey recently that found 93% of people under 30 want climate action, um, but only 11% feel like their vote is actually impactful there. Um, and, and two-thirds are anxious about their future. Honestly. 11%, what a bunch of scrubs. Get <laughs> wise, you 11%. What do you reckon's going on? They <laughs> <laughs> still believe in Santa. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> nah, come on, McLean. If that 93% of people all put their put their neck out and they voted for Labor, we would get, we would get action on climate change quick smart. Oh, the problem is that we're not being heard by the political class. <laughs> <laughs> we just need to make our voices heard. Fuck off. Grow up. What a- <laughs> you need to make your will obeyed and there's nothing less than that that's going to work. Fucking hell. On episode 88, that's where McLean gets the will to power out. There, there we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what else might they get if they vote for Labour, Mitch? Uh, <laughs> uh, they might also get a fantastic colouring book. They can spend their time in lockdown <laughs> colouring in the fucking vacant beige no-hopers of the Labour Party, standing in front of a fucking a, a black and white outline of the word equality, <laughs> which just perfectly sums up the Labour Party. This, is, this isn't made up, by the way. If you go to uh, either the Labor, Federal Labour Party's website or our Twitter... Um, where we've got it for you. They have a colouring in book. The mm. Labour Party <laughs> has pictures of like a very bad, like a really weird Tim and Eric almost looking like cartoon of Alf- Anthony Albanese out the front of Parliament with a kangaroo looking at him with this vacant look on his face like I'm this two-dimensional in real life. <laughs> and like, and yeah, I can just, just colour it in, which is as effective as voting for them. It's the same actions <laughs> and it achieves the same fucking result. Well done to the Labour Party for being the most honest I've seen them in a very long time. What can you offer the people in opposition? We can offer them a facsimile of ourselves. We can offer them a, 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 a nothing condescending sending piece of paper that you can then do any amount of work for to zazz up and make exciting in your own life but don't ask for something substantive to change and we're going to and we're going to waste some fossil fuels and some fucking trees while we do it labor party i love the idea that labor that that anthony albanese really is two dimensional in real life like just can, can we get an urban legend started of like one time the sort of his staff accidentally took home a cardboard cut out of him instead of the real thing because they got confused <laughs> <laughs> the labor party i'm amazed have literally found a way to turn political energy into busy work yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, don't go out there. Don't call your MP. Just colour in something. You know, keep busy. Add your own substance to the Labour Party. Yeah. <laughs> we can be whatever you want. I just keep on thinking of like the haunted Penny Wong picture, just like with an open mouth. Ma- oh, God. Do you, do you not think the Labour Party has enough people of colour? You fix it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh boy. <laughs> so speaking of people who don't want to be religiously pressured into something they don't believe in. <laughs> Barnaby <Okay>. Joyce <laughs> Barnaby Joyce thinks that asking him about the IPCC report is just like being asked to denounce Satan at a baptism. <laughs> that rocks. Do you accept that's well, our best understanding you know, of the science? Well, um, I really don't like when questions are presented like that. Because it sounds like you're at a baptism on behalf of your child denouncing Satan and all his works and all his deeds and on and on and on it goes. This, this story is so great. It's just, um, the, 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 so I think the actual story is um, Guardian reporter Daniel Hurst at a recent session pressed Barnaby Joyce on whether he agrees with the IPCC report and Barnaby Joyce <laughs> really got upset about yeah. that. <laughs> and he's thinking of like, oh, do I agree with climate change? What are you going to ask me to say next? Satan's bad? <laughs> Wouldn't hurt, man. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you religious? Yeah. Isn't that the Barnaby point? Joyce I'm not going to denounce Satan. Makes <laughs> a, a lot of money from him. A real mask off moment for Barnaby Joyce as he reveals his actual Lord and Savior, Satan. <laughs> I love this whole new spate of politicians just logging on to say whatever. <laughs> it's not just a Trump thing. Like, I know there's like a definable moment in history where Trump just did stuff and said stuff and got away with it and everyone was just like, fine, let him do it. Um, but in Australia, I actually think that point was with Tony Abbott where he just said the, oh, yeah. the weirdest stuff and everyone were like, mm. this is our prime yeah, minister. Okay. I guess we're just going to have to chill with that. <laughs> you have to respect it. I like him or not. He is our prime minister, Evie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the whole Tony Abbott thing, and this is partly Barney Joyce as well, is there's a real reluctance in the press to, and I'm not saying that Tony Abbott was on coke all the time and mm -hmm. that Barney Joyce is a drunkard, but, but there's a real reluctance to point at somebody who's obviously behaving in a way that they're on coke or like drunk and being like, they're behaving weird. And, you know, obviously who's to know whether, you know, Tony Abbott or Barnaby Joyce have substance abuse problems, but the, there are just a lot of times where you're like, that's mysterious behavior that can't be explained any other way except for they're eccentric. <laughs> it's freedom of speech. You can't, they don't point it out as being erratic. They say it's eccentric, like Tony Abbott just saying whatever, but they, they never, there's never any sort of insistence on saying this is not what a normal person would say. Under <laughs> yeah. circumstances. He's just an eccentric. He's just a you know an artistic, free expression soul who loves to get out and sort of like clench his jaw really hard and like sort of <laughs> sort of shake at a high frequency and, and describe his own power in aggrandizing terms. It's just it's just his way. It's just his way. Barnaby Joyce is under more restrictions driving down the highway than he is deciding how the country functions. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to say you know we need some kind of accountability or regulation on the people in government. No, we fucking do. Actually, I do want to say that. People are always chasing after me saying, oh, do you believe in climate change? Do you believe in climate change? It's like the other people who are all constantly saying, oh, breathe into this. I won't. I won't do it. <laughs> I was just about to say, Parliament House should 100% have a breathalyzer and should have like drug swabs. Like, I, I, yes, 100%. So, even just so long as they are out in the community, we should make sure our politicians are not coming back from their long lunches really fucking drunk and then standing in the middle of question time, red-faced, going, I've been sitting and taking the Labour Party are bullying me and I will not have it. He's a fuck, yes. And that could be an impression of anybody. Mm. <laughs> it's an impression of me. <laughs> um, but, like... <laughs> yeah, Barnaby Joyce, feel free to go get drunk, but but don't don't do it at work while you're also making decisions about me. Like this is directly impacts me. Yeah, don't do it. Do your booze and your coke and your and your womanizing in private, away from me. Specifically with Barnaby Joyce, I sort of worry that if he was sober, he would simply be more effective. If he was sober, he obviously is sober. But in a hypothetical different world where he's drunk all the time, <laughs> if he was sober, he would be more effective. And I, I don't think that should happen. I don't know. Maybe there is. A, I mean, this is unrelated to Barnaby Joyce, but if there was a like, if, if someone had a problem of drinking that bad, that maybe like his internal functions would start shutting down. Maybe it's the only thing keeping him alive. I mean, that is the thing oh, gosh, that happens. Yeah. Uh, seriously, yeah. alcoholics need alcohol to function, but we That's might why say you can't they shouldn't shut be in down government. Dan 
Exactly. It's essential. Mm. I will say um, it's, it, that's not why we can't shut down Dan Murphy's. The reason why we can't shut down Dan Murphy's and Bottolo's during a pandemic is because we know what would fucking happen if they tried to shut down Bottolo's in Australia during a pandemic. There's, there's no fucking way. I would go <laughs> ape shit. That is there what is would no, There is no way. I would become an anti-vaxxer just on principle. <laughs> like, I, I believe in the vaccines, but until until Dan Murphy's is open, fucking no way. There's microchips in it. Like That's how we'd, bad I'm- <laughs> We'd finally mobilise the politically ambivalent. Yeah. Um, but-, but back... Back to Barnaby Joyce. I don't know how drunk he was during this session, and I don't really care. Zero. Obviously. Um, Doesn't matter, because it is bonkers. So, yeah, reporters are asking him about the IPCC report, and he's like, he he starts going on this tear about how he's, it's like he's being attacked. So, the quote is, oh, people say you must comply with my assertion, and that therefore justifies everything I want to do next, because otherwise I just go back to the initial statement and say, but didn't you say this, therefore you've got to comply with this? And that's bullying. <laughs> what he's that's referring not, that's to not there. anything. That's not anything. It, it is, it is. What, he, what he's referring to there is the scientific consensus on climate change globally, <laughs> and where people are saying do you agree with the scientific consensus on climate change? And he's going, I guess. And they're going, so should we do the things they recommend? And he's going, "Mm." and they're going, why not? (laughs) Oh, now I'm being bullied. No, we're asking you why you don't do the thing that you should be doing that all the experts say you should do so we don't die. Why not? Why not, Barnaby? Why aren't you doing it? We're not bullying you. Do your job. I feel bullied. (laughs) <laughs> it's just, but also that that someone as he's the deputy prime minister of this country. When Scott Morrison blissfully leaves our nation, he's unfortunately fucking in charge of it, and he wants and he's saying that's bullying. I don't want to be bullied into this, th- despite the fact that you are one hundred percent right, Lang, in that that's not fucking bullying. But even if it fucking was, you're the deputy prime minister. Cop some bullying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're meant to be accountable to the populace. We will bully you. After you get up to a certain level in the political tree, just expect to be bullied on every single front, and that is just your job, to be bullied. Yeah. It's literally 100%. your job. I didn't take the role of Deputy Prime Minister of Australia just so that other factions with their own goals can try and pressure me into, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> running in decisions. line with their demands. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> And their demands are to stay alive? (laughs) Yeah. Their demands are please. It's just please at this point. Do something. It really goes to show, and we don't have to point it out, that the government does think that climate change is a fake idea and something people have made up to get people to do things. And I would say like religion, but I think they might think religion is more real than climate change. So it's not a great analogy. Yeah, we've been... Shitting on religion a lot this episode, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just just want to say, largely, I think religion's fine. Yeah. But yeah, there's, same. you know, some religious people. Yeah. <laughs> religion think, does suffer for association to the government. I, I think my sort of view is that, you know, religion largely as a whole is fine. People can do what they want. I'm no Reddit atheist or anything like that. Uh, I'm also ex-Catho, so, like, I have a very sort of – I try to have a generous view of being religious <laughs> – and the kind of comfort it brings people. The the attentive listener might have twigged so far that Mitch and I are both from ex-evangelical backgrounds. <laughs> 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 to say? But yeah, like, it, 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 this is purely a sense of using um, a religious or the freedom of religion in a way that hmm. is detrimental to a population or is being used in a way to, like, convey political talking points, which are just not yeah. even related to religion. When when we're sceptical of the government pushing more chaplains in schools, it's not because we're sceptical of religion. It's because we're sceptical of the particular chaplains that they have in mind when they're suggesting chaplains. And the things that they're not doing instead. Yeah. yeah. Just just for the record, does everyone want to do a denouncement of Satan? <laughs> uh, yeah, I like that. I don't um, know, man. Uh, <laughs> Isaac really is like bullying me. us hey! <laughs> to denounce Satan. Uh, I won't do look, it. Honestly, I think that the Satanists' church, sort of, um, what are they? The you know, the sort of the principles that they run on, do 
run a bit close to like libertarian, really sort of self-centered philosophy. And I'm a bit skeptical of that. I'll say it like they, they do some good work and they have some interesting takes, certainly compared to the sort of horrors that the Christian church has wrought. But I think that I'm still, they're not quite on board with, with some of their, the, the tenets of that, that religion. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, denounce part of that with some qualifications. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. I, I won't denounce Satan and you can't make me. <laughs> Wasn't expecting a nuanced take on the church of Satan in Australia. <laughs> In the ongoing forever pandemic that we're all in, because time isn't <laughs> Which real just, anymore. That's the real description of it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're at the point where it feels like in New South Wales and Victoria, we've realised that the spread has gone on so much that we're not going to go back to zero anymore. This is it. It's here. So we have to sort of start thinking about the terms of what the future looks mm. like, especially for a vaccinated population. Unfortunately, mm. I think yeah. a couple of <laughs> our leaders... If we can get to a vaccination. <laughs> if we can get to a certain level of vaccination. <sighs> Unfortunately, some of our leaders aren't particularly good at talking about this in a way that isn't completely terrifying. Also, I'm particularly good at giving a shit about this. <laughs> yeah, I think that the talking for about it in that way is coming from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Gladys Berejiklian, um, the Premier of New South Wales, uh, has had to, in her recent press conferences, come to terms with the fact that once... They get to a certain level percentage of vaccination in the population in New South Wales. They are going to open up. However, the mm. way that she said this is not not particularly <laughs> empathetic at best. Death, cult, death, cult, death, death cult, death, death, death cult. is horrible, but <laughs> death is horrible. But we also need to put things into perspective because at the moment there are 8 million citizens who don't have a choice in how they spend their free time, who don't have a choice about what can, they can do when they can leave their homes. The Church of Satan has some good points, yeah, what can I like, say? You would think that a media advisor to the Premier of New South Wales would very much caution against saying death is horrible but... It's the one line. That is no way to live. It's not a way to live. She's <laughs> literally talking about the way to... <laughs> <laughs> she could have said oh it. Oh my god. She could have said it in a way that's like, you know, we don't have much choice about how to leave our homes. Let's put it in perspective. People are dying. She could have talked about it in, in the ways of like talking about how even the actual flu is endemic and mm. how people die every year. It's not to say that it's a good thing. It is at this point it's a thing that happens contingent on being us being a society that operates normally. Yeah. I I think that I think that it's honestly not a problem of communication i think that the thing i think that the idea that she was trying to convey when she was like death is horrible blah 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 blah, blah is 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 you know fundamentally a you know odious idea like her thing is like yes when we reopen the death rate will go up from covid and that's just the cost of you know doing business which is like you you a, a very high priority should be minimizing deaths mm. and she's like that's not our high priority mm. Our high priority is reopening, and then a second priority after that is minimising the the deaths it's of the, our constituents. It's the optics of the situation because we know now from having seen other countries um, that a fully or majority vaccinated population means that deaths go down, hospitalizations go down. It is a proven way to make sure that not – as many people die, like people are still going to die in quite, like you know, in quite significant numbers. But we but. know that it's actually the vaccine <laughs> does stop that. But the people way are gonna that, die, but yeah, people are going to die, but <laughs> but the way she describes it is not about like, oh yeah, vaccination is going to make sure that number goes down. It is we need to open right. up. But she's yeah, she's not talking about vaccinations. That's the thing is you 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 could have like one tack that is like, look. We know that reopening with COVID in the community is going to be unavoidable. That is simply not the trajectory that any society on earth is facing anymore. It's not a choice that we have. And so we're going to make sure that the way that we reopen with COVID is done in such a way to minimize the death and suffering. We'll like, you know, stave off the opening in some way that like buys us more time or do it in stages or some kind of plan, that sort of thing. She could have been talking about that, but instead she's like, look, obviously people are going to die. Get over it. 
We need to reopen. I want which some free is time. Bonkers. I want to. I want to choose to do what I what I what I want to do when I leave my home, and I should be allowed to do that, even if your grandma dies. Because you know what? She's going to die anyway. Huh? Yeah, she's not trying to explain or justify or comfort people about the reopening. She's trying to downplay the deaths. She's trying to say, we're reopening, people are going to die. Oh, but on the bright side, you get to go to the pub. You get to hang out with your friends. Won't that be good? Don't worry about the deaths. She could say death is horrible, but we're going to try and make sure there's as little of it as possible as we get back to normal. And so we're going to do this. We're going to have the vaccines. We're going to have as few deaths as possible. And we're going to try and have a better life. No, she said death's horrible, but we'll get to go to the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Or you could be like Scott Morrison, who was like, Sadly, there will be funerals, but people will be able to attend them. People can go and have household gatherings and birthday parties, and sadly, they'll have funerals, but people will be able to attend them. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> that was insane. Just, just an amazing train of thought there of just, like, seeing the positive in a horrible situation. I really commend oh. Scott Morrison for that, seeing the positives there. Good job. <laughs> My take on his little thing there was that he'd been reading the script but not saying it out loud for a little while because yeah. as it ramps up from these positive things, like you know, parties and weddings, and he forgot that he needed to take a bit of a more somber tone towards yeah. the end. So he hits funerals so fucking hard and then has to go, ah, shit. Nah, they're not the good one. Um, what's the? What, where's my positive tone coming from? And his mind just scrambles to, you can go to them. No more Zoom funerals. How about that, eh? Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and there'll be more. Yeah. Like, I mean, every Zoom funeral that you went to, you will have six funerals in person that you can go to. It's going to be funeral city. <laughs> Great chance to catch up with your mates. You know, say nice things about the Most ones that have mates. died. You get those little jelly slices. How good are they? Oh, no, your nan made those. Oh, oh fucking hell. <laughs> Do you mean, in that hypothetical, Lang, did the did your nan make those jelly slices right before she passed away, or are they not? <laughs> are they not there? And what's sad about that is that the jelly slices will not be at the funeral. Exactly, jelly slices are made by the most vulnerable sectors of our society, which is women over eighty in the country. Oh my lord! Um, <laughs> and that, that knowledge has been lost. I'm afraid. Oh, I'm gonna me. let you guys laugh at <laughs> What? What's worse, us laughing about this or Gladys saying death is horrible? But oh, I'm man. sorry, but glass houses and stones are being thrown at the moment. <laughs> Pretty good. This Scott Morrison bit honestly reminds me of my favorite movie, The Fifth Element. That 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 amazing scene where Gary Oldman is the bad guy and he's like, he's like, ah, but. But look, I, I pushed this glass off a table. I've created chaos and look at all these little robots coming out and cleaning a ballet of motion. And they're built by engineers. And those engineers have children and they can go home to their children with food on the table. You see, by creating destruction, I am in fact encouraging life. <laughs> and, oh my God. <laughs> and if Scott Morrison had watched that instead of the Croods, I think we would have had a much better speech. <laughs> He, I mean, he would have come out of the fifth element being like, that Korg really got hard done by. Yeah. Zorg. Zorg. That Zorg real got hard done by. Hey, he didn't get a fair treatment in that movie. No. And on, honestly, that here's your homework for this week. Go watch the fifth element because it holds up. Shout out. Fifth <laughs> element, still good. That scene where he's talking to the embodiment of destruction uh, the giant death sphere that's coming towards Earth, and the death sphere is like, "I will be here soon." And oh, and, and he's like, "Can and you and give like, me oh, some more money, though, I, please?" <laughs> my 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 costs have increased. He's like, "Money is of no importance. I will destroy everything." He's like, "Okay, then." The orb gets down there, and he's like, "This is the orb of destruction. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid." <laughs> <laughs> Just imagining it dumped over with a really broad Brisbane accent. (laughs) I love that so much, Mitch. I love that so much. Oh, you made my day. All right, we we have to turn we have to turn back. Despite laughing through our despair, we have to turn back to like something that has been added to the New South Wales situation. You know, with Gladys talking all about how they're going to open up again, they're not in any position yet to be talking about opening up because Jesus no yeah like when they talk about 70% of the New South Wales population has been vaccinated that's not true 70% have gotten eligible adults have a single shot 
many less mm. than two weeks ago, and that's only about 55% of the actual population. Mm. So there's so many, like, carve-offs of that figure mm. where it's, like, 70% of the population not counting people who are ineligible, and also when they say they've been vaccinated, first shot, even when you've got your second shot, you're not fully vaccinated. you got to have your second shot and then wait a couple weeks to yeah. be fully vaccinated. Mm. So this is madness to talk about like, oh, well, you know, smashing the vaccination targets. Most people are vaccinated. It's wrong. We're not even close. We're not close to getting to those targets of 70% fully vaccinated with that time period until like late October, early November this year for New South Wales and Victoria. Australia doesn't even bear thinking about. Um, It's just, yeah, we're not even close to that point where we can reasonably safely think about opening up. And the worst part is, is that the hospital system is already under strain. We're already at 90% capacity in New South Wales and Victoria. New South Wales is having a horrible time of it. So many of the people who have died in recent days have all died at home because there's Mm. just no capacity to take in more people to get more, to get oxygen Mm. and to look after them. And like Gladys has said recently that like, we're going to see cases increase. October is going to be the worst. It's going to keep going up. And at the same time, she's saying, all right, let's crack this party open. Let's, let's get going. Bunnings Bunnings. is reopening on Monday. (laughs) Reopening. Bunnings. (laughs) 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 You really did. There's a sort of this this thing I've seen it with like people talking about the the Melbourne sort of um you know we're not going to hit COVID zero anymore sort of thing people having this really really binary approach yeah. of yeah. being like well what are we even locking down for then if we're not going to get to COVID zero that is like <sighs> because it buys us time yeah. and also you don't want people to die that's the point yeah it's it's like the cases if they're not going to be zero we may as well just like ramp them up to. 10,000? Yeah. Like, if you can't save everyone, why not kill everyone? Lockdown does slow the spread of the virus. Oh, it, it's not to say that lockdown is not, you know, the one solution because obviously lockdown is terrible and without adequate supports for people who don't have an income during lockdown, obviously lockdown is not that effective because people have to go out to, like, scrape money together and et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's, there's a ton of asterisks around lockdown itself, but the fact is that lockdown does slow the spread of the virus and, it, and it's a race. It's yeah. a race to get as many people vaccinated as you can before the virus spreads out of control. Any comparison to last year's lockdown is bunk because last year we didn't have a vaccine. Now we have a vaccine and mm. it is officially a race. That now is the point where yeah. we have to like, you know, we have to be locked down to a certain point because everyone needs to be protected. Honestly, I think a, a lot of this is is a bit of a symptom of a population and a political class that have just been thoroughly brainwashed through all the climate bullshit, because this is the same stuff you see with climate, where we go, oh, but but electric cars are not 100% effective. Oh, but renewable power is not 100% effective, so why even bother? Just go all out for the coal. And it's also this (laughs) stuff of where they get a number, they, they force scientists, they're like, just give us a number. Give us a number that says we can open up and it'll be all right. And they go, oh, friggin', I don't know, 70, 80% of adult population. They go, right, got it, 70% of eligible population, first dose. And the scientists go, oh, God, no, everyone will die. <laughs> yeah. Because because the Doherty report says, says 70% fully vaccinated and with a functional testing system and you'll still need lockdowns. And the government has gone 70%, one shot, Open it up. We fucked off our testing systems a couple of weeks ago. Reading the first line, 70%. Woohoo! And just chucking the paper in the air, running out <laughs> yeah. to the press. I love giving press conferences more than I love reading. And then just yeah. <laughs> spouting bullshit. All right. I have to, I have to walk back something. Um, apparently, Victoria has just hit their 60% uh, first shot target. Um, noise with 20, 29,915 nice. doses administered in state run hubs on Saturday. Still, that's still first dose, though. That's not mm. second. Yeah, first dose is nothing. Who cares about first dose? It's yeah. lovely to, to sort it's of good. like get a little status update, but it's not. It's still not. You know, <laughs> get back to me when you've had your second dose yeah, and then waited yeah. two weeks. It's that's su- the interesting point. It's such fucking shit. What they should be doing to make sure we can open up more like earlier is give everyone their second dose first. That way we <laughs> can add this part and then we can just get fix it up on the back end. It's yeah, everyone obvious. start your two weeks wait now and then get your second dose. <laughs> I mean, what they Fuck should be goddamn doing, in honesty, is just giving people the vaccine. I want to see buses going around. I want to see 
every school or whatever, wherever people are. I don't know where people are. The car park at Bunnings. The car park at Bunnings. Get it next to the sausage sizzle. If you're opening Bunnings on a Monday, have a vaccine bus there for fuck's sake. You want to see people like at the beginning of the pandemic last year, just without any sort of logos or any sort of official accreditation, just knocking on doors and being like, do you want a vax? Like, yeah, yeah. That's what I'll would happen. This is this is the problem. I love the idea as well of like you know vaccination centers at the end of every street and a hundred percent putting them at a fucking Bunnings with uh, COVID safe sausage sizzle there as well. Hundred <laughs> percent that would work, especially if we're going to be fucking opening Bunnings anyway. Yeah, um, but free sausage. What Free-sausage. would happen? Like Dan Murphy's. What would happen would be it would either be people without any identification on them whatsoever, just with a bag of needles being like, Vax, do you want to fucking Vax? Or it would be jackboot fucking uh, ADF military gronks going on the door. It's like, good evening, citizen. I am here today to administer the vaccines for COVID-19. Do you want... It's like... But they- it wouldn't. It'd be the same people you have at your vaccine hub. Yeah. No, we they have those have. teams. They're just poorly run. Like, poorly <laughs> gotten out there. The hub is good, but no one's going to it because it's off in Fuckville that you got to drive to on public transport. <laughs> yep. Fuckville is a booming economy, though. <laughs> Finally, in bullying news. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a little lie one to end on that just like make, make your week a little better. So, uh, billionaire Jerry Harvey who's a, you know, a lovely old man who sucks. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We have to emphasize he sucks a lot. Do not feel bad for him. (laughs) He was on an interview with uh, Raph Epstein on ABC Radio uh, this week, just about his company's uh, refusal to pay back JobKeeper, despite the fact that they made a bunch of profit through the pandemic. And he hung up on that interview (laughs) because he was being bullied too viciously. And uh, it's just great. I just love it. Can I ask so, you a question about your profit? Oh, no, no, no. Just let me finish first. Oh, okay. So, Raphael, don't don't bully me, okay? Very so, hard to bully someone of your wealth and stature, but please go ahead. Well, now again, you're having a go at me, okay? Okay, go for so, it. Finish your answer. Forgive me. Finish your answer. Well, if you promise to be sensible, okay, right, I'll talk to you. But look, I think, I'm just getting a bit angry with you. I'm sorry. Okay? That's okay. Do you I've want to finish go. that answer or not? No, I've got to go. Bye. You don't want to finish talking? You still there, Jerry Harvey? <laughs> eat shit, Jerry Harvey. <laughs> oh, Jerry Harvey, eat shit. Oh, you poor man. <laughs> the cow, just the like the bumbling, confused t- tone of like, you know, old grandpa Jerry being bullied. But you know it's fucking indignation that someone who's not on his level financially has the gall to not do anything but fawn over him because that's been his entire fucking life mm. he's been able yeah. to have people just be like oh, good one Harvey <laughs> that's not a horrible racist joke that makes me fully uncomfortable that's really funny <laughs> and someone oh, tell us him- again how you ripped off all your workers yeah. classic yeah and just but like the whole premise of this thing as well are you going to talk about all the millions of dollars you claimed on JobKeeper that you didn't need. No, no, I'm not doing it. Well, fuck you then. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm pro-abolition of the police force and jails, but also throw him in the fucking gulag until he at least talks about it. That's the rule. Don't throw him. him in the gulag. Just put him on a bloody radio show where people call him a dickhead and he just starts crying a lot. Do we want to go around in a circle and say, Jerry Harvey, you're a dickhead. Jerry Harvey, eat shit. And then yeah. that's, that's how we wrap up the episode. Listeners at home. We'll leave a little gap for you to participate as well. <laughs> yeah, put some inspirational music under it. Have that fade in. And then we can all take turns and leave a spot for the listener to say it as well. Three, two, one. Eat shit, Jerry Harvey. Eat shit, Jerry Harvey. Eat shit. Eat shit, Jerry Harvey. Eat shit, Jerry Harvey. Jerry Harvey, eat shit. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. <laughs> Tell Jerry Harvey to eat shit by just walking into any Harvey Norman and yelling it. <laughs> when we reopen and with our mask on, be safe. For be bad. nice to the staff, though. Don't don't tell them yeah. eat shit, Jerry Harvey, because they'll be like, please, sir, leave. The, the the workers are the ones that who you know they often have to eat shit on his behalf. It's it's a very unfair situation. They probably hate him more than any of us. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. 
And also you can get in touch with us on the socials at NotGoodPod. You can rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to share us around. We really love it whenever you do that for us. And if you're so inclined, you can send us an email, notgoodpod at protonmail.com. Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.